0: I've heard horror stories where they're like, I'm not even sure if my boss knows my name. Think about how that feels. You are not going to want to come in and you are certainly not going to do your best work.
1: So um, so Dana, welcome to HR uh, Talent. And insiders. Uh, Today we have Dana Bogermeyer. Did I pronounce that correctly? Mm Bogermeyer. Perfect. Um, And um, I invited Dana because I think she touches, obviously, she talks about um, and helps companies when it comes to culture, but she also helps to develop leaders. And if you look at her LinkedIn profile, you know, part of her tagline is helping first time leaders. And, you know, as a person that obviously was a first time manager at some point and a first time leader at some point, um, I thought this is a very appropriate topic, particularly now as a lot of people are unemployed, but many are trying to figure out what to do next. So I always say that, you know, part of the podcast is covering a little bit of the topic at hand. And then part of it is trying to Um, help those that are unemployed, underemployed, or looking for a career change. So we will start with the topic, and then at some point, we will switch to perhaps make it a little bit more practical for those that are looking for a career change or finding employment. Sounds there? Sounds great. All right. So Dana, um, let's go ahead and get started. You know, I want you to introduce yourself. Give us a little bit about your background. Um, Where you have you worked, and what do you do today?
0: Okay, thank you. So I worked for 33 years in the corporate world and kind of started out entry level and worked my way up and many years ago was a first-time leader and then I had ultimately about 25 years of leadership experience in a fortune 50 company. So I led in multiple different departments and had different types of teams, non-professional, professional, and then have any led leaders. Um, so through all those experiences, I owned the leaders I had, and then teams experiences that I really started doing a lot of reflecting because I was developing a lot of leaders. And I also felt like, you know, certain experiences, certain teams, certain leaders really brought out great things for the, for the team. And it was just a you know, a wonderful experience. The other end of the spectrum is sometimes you're gonna have a not so great experience. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there were a few times where I had a not so great experience that it was enough that really kind of made me reflect more, Gustavo, on like what made those great experiences. Yeah. And when I started digging deeper into um, the great teams, the culture, how the leader really kind of sets the tone for how everyone else behaves and treats one another. And then employee engagement. I really felt like when the time was right, I was going to go out on my own because I felt like the times that my experience wasn't so great. I, I didn't really look forward to going to work, Mm. but the times where I was working with great teams and had wonderful experiences, I really did look forward to going to work. I love to work. And, Well, how can we create that experience for everyone where they look forward to it so they don't dread their lives? And one thing I always think about is that on average, people will work maybe 40 or 50 years, maybe more in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. So we want it to be a good experience. Again, not dreading it every day they wake up and hit that snooze button and say, oh, I don't want to go to work today. We want them. To look forward to going, have fun while they're there, do some fulfilling work, and feel good and fulfilled on the way home. So that those experiences in the corporate world really led me to what I do now. The other fortunate thing was that the organization that I worked for was had very much of a learning culture. Mm-hmm. So I had great opportunities to go to conferences and to take courses and to you know get my master's degree in leadership, and um, I. Eventually, when I was getting ready to leave too, I had an opportunity to do some work um, with the Association of Talent Development, which is a learning organization. Mm -hmm. So I really feel like, you know, as a learning addict, you know, I I get fulfilled in all of that and I want to share it out with other people. So that's kind of what led me to working now as an independent consultant and helping leaders create workplaces where people love to be.
1: Got it. So you have a bachelor's degree in business administration and also a master's degree, uh, um, and an MBA uh, with a focus on leadership in addition to a few certifications, focusing on the whole idea of leadership and development of leadership. Um, so uh, let's go back a few years, right? The whole concept of leadership has evolved over time, like most things do. Um, in the past, the whole idea of leading others is you do what I tell you, no questions asked, just do it. Um, and all of a sudden, there has been a 180 where not only parents had to you know, adjust, but managers and executives and people in powerful positions all of a sudden find themselves being told, your style does not work anymore. Um, Is leadership, from from your experience, is leadership a style? Um, Is there a one-size-fits-all? How have we evolved from what used to be leadership, or perhaps we called it something else in the past, to what today is leadership? What happened?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I love the way you kind of put the historical reference here because I think that is so true. We, We all evolve. Roles evolve. Companies evolve. Cultures evolve. Um, the workplace has evolved. At, At one time, you know, it was very much like the manager telling people what to do. And we didn't have a lot of autonomy in our work. We didn't ask team members what their opinions were and what ideas they had that could maybe make things better. And, you know, I think through time, there was some realization of maybe missing out a little bit on some real ideas and things we should do differently. But I also think that as people had, developed themselves or maybe looked around a little bit, they realized that there could be other opportunities out there. And at some point, it begins to be, um, you know, an attrition thing. We don't want our people to leave. We want them to enjoy being here and to be fulfilled. And that means we may have to do things differently. So I do think it very much evolved from that, you know, um, no autonomy and the operatic manager to more of uh, leading teams and working with people. And how can we all be a part of something really good, and something we're proud of? Yeah. And when I think about, you know, good leadership and the way that that I felt like I saw it demonstrated and what I tried to emulate from some of the really good leaders that I worked for, they really did um, they worked more from a full circle, full human perspective, not just the work. And you know, they cared about you and what your dreams are, your career aspirations, and then would help help you get that was what was going on outside of work and your family. And anytime a leader can help somebody with something that's going on outside of work, you're going to have that much more loyalty, connection, and just you'll get more productivity out of that person it's it's that you you know I want to know that you care about me and then in turn I'll I'll care more here Um, otherwise you have people who kind of you know just have some rote behavior get a little complacent in their work and keep showing up because it's okay but if you really want to to have a great magical team that has great productivity that helps increase profitability that has laughter you know where people just enjoy being there you have to do more You have to work hard at building those connections and those relationships. Mm. And I think that's really important.
1: So a couple of things that you said, uh, well, you just finished saying about relationships. It's about building those relationships, probably no longer a one-way relationship, but rather a two-way relationship. No different than employers, right? Building an employer brand is now a two-way street where, they can select you as much as you're selecting them. Uh, but you mentioned something that I think it's key is the concept of autonomy, empowering, right? Empowerment was a big word a few years back. The concept of allowing employees to provide input and um, saying, hey, what do you think? Simply asking, what do you think about this? Um, and But here are the, three, the two things that really stand out that I think people struggle with. One is the whole concept of saying, where are you going and how can I help you, right? The whole concept of career aspirations. And then understanding that there's a life outside of work. Uh, You probably remember the saying, and I want to address this one first, probably the saying, look, leave your problems at the door, right? Um, I found it fascinating when I started hearing it. Because it's almost like I had to come to work and become someone completely different. So if I'm going through a divorce, or I'm struggling to pay the bills, or you know, a family member is dying, I'm supposed to come into work and leave all that at the door. Um, why is it that it's so hard for so-called leaders today, for some of them, they struggle with that concept of seeing the person as a whole?
0: Yeah, I think uh, it's easier for some than others, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think some of it comes from just how, how comfortable are you at being vulnerable? How comfortable mm-hmm. are you at asking some questions and building this relationship and getting to know the person um, that, that is, is the whole person, the person outside of work and what they are dealing with? And we know, you know, intuitively, we all know that people are dealing with different things at different times. And mm-hmm. Sometimes you might work with somebody and they might be a little short with you, or maybe they're grumpy all day, every day. You know, there's a reason for that. And, you know, I have found that over time, if, if you will work with people and you will demonstrate care and concern and provide them feedback with how that behavior is impacting them and the team, and I want to help you you know, if you, if you'll let me, I would like to help you. You can make a really good connection there. You can be a friend to somebody who might be needing one right now. And you may not be able to solve the problem, but sometimes an ear or, you know, large organizations oftentimes have like an employee assistance program, Mm -hmm. which may provide some, some help, or even if you can give them a resource out. Side of the organization. Maybe it's their finances that they're struggling with. And you can say, have you ever thought of, about going to the career counseling center or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's like, I, I hear what you're saying about what it is that you're struggling with. And here are some ideas. I may not be able to solve everything, but, you know, people want that connection and they want to be cared for and more than just, you know, showing up. I've, I've heard horror stories too about people, you know, where they're like, I'm not even sure if my boss knows my name.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know,
0: like early on, like if, if they're hiring in mass and think about how that feels, yeah. you know, if you show up every day and, you know, or you don't have a friend at work or anybody that you can ask questions to, you are not going to want to come in and you are certainly not going to do your best work. So it is that two-way street, Um and, and being vulnerable and asking the questions and kind of opening up will we'll go a long way. I, I provide like a little, and I'm happy to send it to anybody who would like a copy of it. It's a, just a one pager with like 10 question starters to start a relationship. So if it doesn't come naturally to build a relationship with someone, you know, there are different questions you can ask. And some of them are around like career aspirations um, and then others are, you know, the things like, um, if you could meet anyone currently alive, who would you meet? And I like to, to stay more in the alive because you open up to, you know, so many things if it's current alive or dead. But anyway, it's, when you ask about alive and they tell you someone, it tells you who is maybe a hero. And uh-huh. you can learn about somebody from that. And one of the favorite ones that I ever heard was someone said Beyonce, and I get that, you know, who wouldn't want to be Beyonce? But when I said why, it was a a guy and he said, because she's a star to the stars. And as we talked a little more, and as I got to know him, what I realized was he liked being like the cream of the crop. He liked being the go-to person on the team. And I think that's how he saw her, you know, somebody that everybody else really looked up to in the industry. Mm -hmm. And he mm. wanted to be that on our team. And I just, I think those things can help you connect and you care about them. You want to know about them and it'll, it'll take you to a better place with that relationship if you dedicate time.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's about getting to know those individuals that, that work for you or work with you. So when it comes to the whole concept of being a manager and being a leader, what's the difference between the two? Being a manager, being a leader—is there a difference?
0: Yeah, I kind of think of them. This is, you know, my opinion. I think of them as like two different roles, but it could mm-hmm. be the same person. One at one point working as a manager, and then another point working as a leader. Because I think of the leader as kind of, you know, setting setting a vision, bringing people along, building commitment. Um, maybe in, you know, communicating hard things, they're hitting all the right points and, and making sure that, um, they're demonstrating empathy when, but also, you know, at the end of a project, maybe they're the person celebrating the people who made it happen, you know, giving credit where credit is due is celebrating success. So I think about all those things and sort of like a leadership person. Mm. Sometimes you have to manage a project or manage a deadline. Or manage an implementation, yeah, um, and those things are an important part of the role too. So you know, it, it's kind of it's why I say it's two different roles, but it might be the same person. A leader can also be a manager, and a manager can also be a leader.
1: Yeah, when I when I started thinking about you know not only our our conversation today, but in general, because uh, there's a lot of information out there about leadership and. I wanted to act, kind of make sense in my mind. So here's what I came up with and tell me what you think about this. So from, from, from the context of today, managing to me is about things. It's about checklists, it's about processes, it's about timelines, it's about deadlines. And in a way, there's no emotion, right? I can still manage people in terms of get things done, are you meeting the timelines? Are you meeting the deadlines? The 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 targets? But there's no emotion. It's almost transactional in nature. Where when you talk about leading, now you have to insert the emotional aspect of relationship building. Um, and I only thought about that simply because I, I I needed to somehow make sense because somebody that says, well, but I'm a manager, yeah, but as a manager, you have to manage things, you can't let go of that, but you also have people and those people have emotions. And in the past, you would ignore the emotion because you were only focused on the thing. Today, for you to be a leader, you have to incorporate the emotions, not only the ones that you have, but more importantly, the ones that others have. What do you think?
0: Yeah. I love how you break that apart with the emotional aspect because I totally agree the leader is tapping in, they are demonstrating empathy, they are vulnerable, they are building the relationship. And, you know, one of the things I think about from really good leads that I, you know, have have seen, even if you you don't have to agree with what that person is feeling about the work situation, if someone says, I find it difficult to work with so and so you don't have to agree, you might not find it difficult to work with Mm -hmm. that person. But you do need to realize that that person feels that way and how can you bridge the gap if you need to in order to make a better work experience and get the work done because that could be a bone of contention and stopping the work from being as productive as it could be so you may not agree with all of it but you have to learn to navigate it and influence it in a positive way
1: yeah obviously I've had different bosses or leaders and um you know, they they all have different styles. Uh, and I've always thought that as the person reporting to a leader, let's say I report to you, you're my manager, I always thought that I needed to adapt my style to your style because I'm your subordinate. How much do you think today is not necessarily the other way, but again, it's that two-way street where you know, I have a an employee, a, a VP that works with us, Pam Hawkins, uh, works with us a Millennia, and Pam always talks about the fact that she has, you know, sixty people that report to her, and she has to adapt to almost sixty different styles. Right? We know that in reality, it's not sixty, but it's the concept that everybody has a different approach and a different need and motivators, and yeah. she tries to figure out how to tap into those versus others that say, look, I don't have time to be adapting pe- to people. They need to adapt to myself. Have you heard that before where these individuals are just saying, nope, I just treat everybody the same? <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess that you're missing the concept of leadership, I guess.
0: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And I've, I've heard that, but I really admire what you were talking about with Pam, because I think, you know, everybody deep down wants to be valued and appreciated and, you know, insane for what it is they provide to the organization. And in order to get the best out of them, you are going to have to build that relationship and connect with them. So, you know, if you choose not to, like in the other extreme, if you just say, yep, everybody come in and just do your work, um, yeah. you're missing out.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, obviously, Leadership, it's, it's, it's a lot about soft skills, and we've talked about emotions a little bit, but what are some of the soft skills that leaders or those that want to be leaders and really get the best out of their teams, what are some of the soft skills that they should develop or, or, or work on? Mm-hmm.
0: So, so many, but um, <laughs> I will, I'll start with, like, in my opinion, and I'm not the originator of the statement, but soft skills are the hardest you know, or the hard skills. Yes. And, um, you know, they come so naturally to some people, and I'm sure that has a lot to do with their upbringing and their nurturing. Mm-hmm. And then with other people, you know, there's just like this sheer lack of emotional intelligence. But, you know, from the soft skill perspective as a leader, let's start there.
1: Yep. <laughs> you <laughs> know,
0: being emotionally intelligent. And part of that is being self-aware. And, you know, I think in the self-awareness perspective, like if you can't are not self-aware enough, how can you tap into others, what they're feeling and what their emotions are? So it's, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes. And, you know, sometimes to take a step back and just see maybe how you dealt with something or how you could have done it better. That's how you get better. And you notice kind of what's going on internally, and then you adapt. So you don't maybe react to something that might've caused you to react, you know, at a, in a different way, at a different time. Um, I think math, you know, we never master communication, but whatever we can do in the realm of communication, good listening, choosing the right words, the body language,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: you know, the emotion, all of that is really, it's important. Um, I talked about building relationships. I do think that's kind of mission critical to, The soft scale piece of it all you know that that's where it all begins um but also i i thought a little bit about like demonstrating flexibility and adapting Mm -hmm. being optimistic you know just trying to think about what are people like that you like to be around and you know i have folks say to me at times you know like when you know there was we were kind of managing crisis like you always seem so calm and that's what I want to display in times of crisis. If I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off, um, <laughs> yeah. then that is what everybody is, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, there's something really wrong. But if you can display that we'll get through this, then they'll believe it, you know, underneath it all inside, you might be going, oh my gosh, that's, and that's okay. That's right. But, you know, people pay attention to leaders, like every move you're always on stage even when you're not so they will pick up on your commitments they'll pick up on whether you feel stressed or not um spend enough time with somebody and then they'll pick up on if you're not being honest with them and you know you, you just need to be aware of all of that and so managing yourself and those all of those soft skills are super important and they can be developed i really believe they can be developed it's not something that you're born with or or not but it does take reflection, practice, maybe observing others. Yeah. And, and listening to good feedback and coaching from somebody that you, you know, would like to emulate or a good coach that can observe you and give you some feedback.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So so let's now, you know, turn our attention to some, you know, practical advice that we can give. To those first time leaders, you know, let's imagine for a second I I'm a first time leader. I reach out to you and I'm struggling right? I, I don't know what to do. Where do I get started? What are some of the pointers that you would give those first time leaders? Mm-hmm.
0: So if they're currently working you know in like in, in some kind of a role professional role and they're looking to get promoted to a first time leader. You know, I asked them so far, like, what, what makes you want to be in a leadership role? Because I, mm-hmm. I like to kind of hear where that's coming from. Because what do you think it is? Oftentimes, people think it's one thing, get into the leadership role and think, oh, my gosh, this is not what I thought. And I had people who I had led who experienced that and said, I'd, I'd like to go back to my old job. I yeah. think it's very admirable when someone realizes this is not for me and I, I really did great there and I liked it there and this, no, um, because it is a lot of work and every time you move up, there's more time that you're going to have to dedicate to the job um, and as you move even higher, you know, what are the expectations of the organization if you're getting into like executive level roles. And it may be things like boards or um, community work or things like that. And so as long as you know kind of what's expected and what you might be getting into, that's important. So, so back to that first time leader that you talked about. Um, So why do they want that role? And if, Mm -hmm. you know, if they talk about things like, you know, I've, I've been developing people and I really like that, you know, that takes me one way. And if they say, something you know that maybe doesn't seem like it aligns with what the role would be then i ask questions in a different way that if if they seem like you know their heart's in the right place and i would ask about what skills they think they have how have they demonstrated leadership before could they look for an opportunity maybe outside of the the professional organization to lead something so that they've got some experience and something to talk about sometimes that will show up in maybe some, you know, professional organizations um, or in volunteer work or in a church or maybe they organize, you know, the community softball league or mm-hmm. you know whatever it is that there are opportunities to lead even if you're not in a leadership role. We have to look for them. But, you know, people lead their own lives every day. Everyone. That's else, right. So sometimes it's like, you know, we make good decisions. <laughs> in leading our lives and other times we we don't and we might learn from that adapt and you know take a different venue the next time but the um the the thought around like how you can demonstrate it because that's what's going to happen in an interview right so if somebody's asking you how, how have you demonstrated leadership then you've got things to talk about but you know, I I if they don't seem to understand that being a leader is getting work done through other people, you know, and giving them feedback and managing them and their personalities and their work styles and all of that, you know, I will try to paint that picture for them too. Um, and I keep going back to relationships because I think that that is so important. It's more than you now. Yeah. You ha- you have to care for your team. And if you don't want to be responsible for other people's back and accepting their mistakes, then leadership is definitely not the place to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people, and I think we all suffer from this, you know, in certain levels where we see something and it, it looks great. And then when we go behind the scenes and actually do it, we go, mm, this is not what I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, you did touch upon, uh, and, and with this, we'll close. You did touch upon the idea of being a leader without someone to lead, you know, what I call leadership of one. How can I, as an employee, or what sometimes is referred to as an individual contributor, I don't have people that directly report to me. How can I demonstrate leadership qualities, A, to be good at what I do and get my job done, but, B, potentially to be seen as someone that can take over a team and lead them?
0: Yeah. So I think there's you know, a couple of different things in that when you're the individual contributor, and one is to do your current job well. Yeah. Right? <laughs> your work product. So if you, you know, if you were asking someone to grade your work product – what would your supervisor give you as a grade and would it be an a mm-hmm. you know like they, you know he always turns in a great work product and i i never have to double check his work or you know whatever it is so that's your reputation that you're building every single day do you show up with a smile on your face do you say yes to special projects do you do the things no one else wants to do do you help your coworkers? do you stay over to meet a deadline that's your reputation that you're building And, you know, as a a leader of people, there were people that I knew I could count on and I could go to, and I would say, could you do this for me? And they're like, absolutely, you know, no question. And then there were other people, it was kind of like pulling teeth a little bit to, you know, to get like an an extra project or, you know, they might just do just enough, you know, and but that's your reputation too, you just enough. Um, And I I never think of that, you know when you're nice to coworkers, that that does not go unnoticed you
1: mm-hmm. know because
0: I, I had a, a a woman once who had approached me because there was an opening for a manager on my on my group and she said you know i would i want to compete for that opening and i said so tell me a little bit about why and so she told me about why and i said you know i had been working with her for for a little while. And, and during that time, she had come to me on two different occasions complaining about the other managers on my team. So they weren't her manager, but complaining about this person and complaining about that person mm. and how she can't get along with either of them. And so I asked her, I said, you know, if you became a member of my management team, how would we work together knowing that you couldn't, you've already told me you can't work well with these two. And there were only yeah. four. So, <laughs> you know, it was like, there were four managers managing teams. So, you know, I was trying to get her to understand that that dynamic was going to be difficult because you don't want to create more work for your leader. Yeah. You want to create, you know, your reputation, you want your reputation to be solid, like good work product can be counted on all those things. But if you're known as somebody who can't get along with other people, I I didn't want to have to manage a dynamic where people were going to be fighting if I had somebody else who was yeah. equally as qualified for the job.
1: Yeah. You yeah. know, that
0: was definitely a factor.
1: So I have this, this thought that, you know, I've shared sometimes with people that have reached out to me, be it at work or people that, you know, peers, colleagues that reach yeah. out and they just ha- want to have a conversation. When, when it comes to growing your career and particularly taking that next step to be directing a team or just a higher level position, I always tell them that what they're doing in the current role matters more than what they believe they could do if they got on the role, right? Yeah. So, I use the analogy of baseball. Uh, so I love baseball and you have single A, double A, and triple A. Rarely does a person jump levels without having demonstrated that they can play at the lower level. So sometimes, for some, I don't need to give you the opportunity because I've already seen you, right? So, in the case of this person that approached you, I've already seen how you're dealing with people relationships. I may not necessarily want to take a risk because I already seen it. Do you agree mm-hmm. with that? That it's almost like you are already auditioning, even though you don't have the role. So the whole concept of oh boy, if they give me the position, I'll show them. Well, you perhaps have been showing them already, and that's why they're not giving it to you.
0: Yeah, I totally agree, and I love that you said auditioning because you know I, we used to say every day is an interview. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: yeah, you're <laughs> and on stage. People are watching you. And yeah. How
0: yeah. you react, you know, and it, I think especially if you interviewed for a role and you didn't get it, how you reacted to not getting it is important.
1: Yeah. So, well,
0: yeah, because maybe the person that got it, you know, really, because people say, well, you know, I do great work. There's a, several people who do great work. What else do they do? You know, yeah. being a continual learner you know, again, kind of volunteering for the extra project, or maybe they're doing some things outside where they just earned this major certification. Yeah, you know, that shows me that they care about their industry and their work product and developing themselves. So there's, there are a lot of variables, but you know, the, the auditioning part is so true. I can't, I, you know, I can't stress that enough about how you carry yourself and the work product you do every day is going to matter
1: yeah you know when I work with, for Starwood hotels and Resorts, they introduce the concept of everything communicates right you know what you do and don't do what you say and don't say speaks about you. you're auditioning from day one you're auditioning from the moment you start applying to the job right from your resume from the interview process, the references all of that starts communicating about you and you know i I, I do tell people look, this is an imperfect system. Again, you have humans behind it. Um, yeah, m- perhaps you might be better than that other person that was promoted. Who knows, right? The company will make a decision based on whatever context is taking place. Sometimes it's favoritism. Sometimes it's ignorance. Who knows? Right. But those are variables that you cannot control as much as you can control the work product that you produce. Um, the quality of you as a collaborator, as a contributor, as a person that works with others, um, and the way you treat others. So I I try to tell people, look, control what you can control. These other variables um, may not necessarily be things that you can do something about, um, but how you conduct yourself, it's something that is absolutely within your control and people are indeed paying attention. Yes, sometimes, Employers miss it, right? They're so focused on this instead of this. But again, it's outside of your control. Um, what do you think is the number one thing that people struggle with when it comes to being a first time leader? Is there a particular thing that you've seen and noticed that people tend to be up, oh, this is what they kind of struggle with? Mm-hmm.
0: So I think the the main thing was just adapting to the type of work and the workload. Um, That was what I seemed to notice most, you know, you know, kind of relationships aside because some people, you know, are again, like I mentioned are good at that and some are not, but, and that's critical. But I think when you move from an individual contributor into a leadership role, and now you have different types of work and you have to be responsible for others, that workload and how to manage that. And it seemed like I would get questions a lot of times about how, how do I organize Mm. and, you know, depending, cause I led different kinds of teams. Um, so whether they were professional people or they were other leadership people, or they were first line people that you're managing. So it, it kind of depends, but I would, I seem to give advice on that a lot. Um, because the workload does increase and, you know, there's that old saying, that's why you make the big bucks.
1: That's right. <laughs> you, have
0: <laughs> 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 you have to deal with headaches sometimes and you deal with, you know, personality conflicts and, people maybe not getting the work done. Um, But you also have more work to do. So you have to adapt to that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, Dana, I really appreciate you joining me. Uh, As always, uh, I like to conclude by giving you the opportunity to tell us what are you working on, anything that you want to promote, how people find you, and in essence, an opportunity for you to market yourself and help those that, that need some help. Go ahead
0: that's very kind. Um, so I help leaders create workplaces that people love to work at. Mm-hmm. That's my, my big draw in life. I just, I dread the thought that people drive to work hating it. You know, that, that makes me sad. <laughs> so I'm at Vogelmeyer Consulting. And so Vogel, V-O-G-E-L, Meier, M-E-I-E-R, VogelmeierConsulting.com and um so you can see on my website the the types of interactions that i have had with folks with different organizations rather um it depends on what the issues are a lot of times i work with folks that um like they maybe are just seeing some complacency it's not necessarily a big problem mm-hmm. but
1: you
0: know just like how can we how can we bring it up a level and um it, it's hard to, to identify it, right? It's hard to point at it and say it's that thing. That's what the problem yeah, is. Yes yeah. You know, So so how do we work through that? I, I do that a lot and I work with um, developing first line leaders quite often. And the second thing or third thing rather, is uh, developing training. So I've been working a lot over the past two years, creating training programs. Um, and sometimes I facilitate them and sometimes I don't, it depends mm-hmm. on what the situation is. So, but it's, you know, usually around leadership training, sometimes it's onboarding. Um, Cause I do, I do a lot of things around the soft skills. So mm. I really felt like that was my, my niche in the workplace too. I, I loved being a leader, even when at times it was difficult. Yeah. And I, you know, the first time I ever had to terminate someone just, you know, that feeling, you know, Oh, it's a horrible feeling. And it gets easier. Not that I ever got to a place where I loved it, but I did get to a place where I realized I did all I could for that person. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, so you, that's really my goal is I I want people to kind of find their niche. I want them to practice, it's okay if you don't get the conversation right the first time. You know, I think about the very first time I ever had an employee come into my office. I was so green as a new leader, and she was crying. And, you know, so I said, you know, what's wrong? And so she proceeds to tell me, and I, I was fairly young at this time, and she was probably in her mid to late 50s, and she said, I've been diagnosed with cancer. And I, at that time in my life, had not had anybody touch I had not been touched by cancer. I didn't have anybody close to me. And I did not know how to respond. Oh. Know, this is not what they teach you in, you know, college. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> maybe we should start that class.
1: I know, or, right? <laughs> and,
0: you know, I, I did like all the wrong things. You know, I kind of went to tactics because I didn't know what to say or do. And I, you know, told her how much sick time she had and I said, you know, the, probably the best thing I could have said, which I, you know, I said, you know, not to worry about the work or anything. Take the time you need, and you know, here's how much sick time you have, and you know, you'll you'll want to talk to HR. I just didn't know how to respond. I didn't empathize. And, you know, that over time, you know, when I started realizing, oh man, you know, I failed her. When she came <laughs> back, I eventually did apologize and she said, I was so wrapped up in what my own issues were. I don't even remember one thing you said to me. So
1: (laughs) that, okay, at least that
0: was a great, that was a great lesson. And so I really took that lesson and each time, you know, I'd watch others and I'd learn from my interactions. I'd learn from my mistakes, but over time, I really felt like I developed all that and thought, okay, now I know how that leader can set the right tone and connect with their people and listen, provide a feedback loop, You know all kinds of things that can make for a better experience in the workplace.
1: Well, Dana, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, I loved your insights. I hopefully um, look forward to remaining in touch with you. And who knows, we may end up working together because from time to time, we need programs to put together at our company. Uh, and certainly now that I know you, if somebody reaches out, I will certainly refer them to you. But uh, thank you very much for your insight. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. I appreciate your time as well, Gustavo. I appreciate it. Take
1: care. All righty. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.